Good morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser. Today we're going to be talking with Elizabeth Clark, who's the Executive Editor of Human Resource Executive, the new Executive Editor of Human Resource Executive Magazine. Elizabeth, how are you? I'm pretty good this morning. How about you? Fantastic. I am sitting in beautiful Dallas and out out from my window there's a row of a row of ducks walking single file. I don't know that I've ever seen a row of ducks walking single file before. <laughs> um, so, so why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself and, and labor over your years in in journalism? Twenty five years as a reporter and an editor. What what a, what an amazing thing! So 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 tell us about yourself. Sure. Uh, I don't feel old enough to have have you be able to say that about me, but uh, apparently I am. <laughs> um, so I, uh, yeah, I've been here almost six months. I think Christmas Eve will be my six-month anniversary with HR executives. Um, I started in journalism, kind of much to my surprise, right out of college. I sort of didn't think I'd be able to get a job just kind of based on the economy and, and things that were going on. But um, I started as a, just a community reporter writing about, you know, small towns in uh, a small County in South Florida, Martin County, Florida. Um, And, uh, you know, just got to know people and, and got to kind of enjoy the, the fun of telling stories I had a lot of free reign and, you know, um, was able to sort of write about whatever I wanted, um, which is a luxury. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I spent a few months doing that, well, probably about a year doing that, and um, and then I took a job as what we called the night editor um, and basically worked a three to midnight shift um, editing stories that were going into the paper the next day for the metro section of that same little paper. It's called the Stuart News. Um, spent a couple years doing that and, um, you know, learned a lot about working with people, um, particularly as a, you know, I was pretty young to be managing managing people. And not that I managed a lot of people, but it was more uh, sort of uh, um, on the spot People management, you know, there's a a news event happening tonight at 8 o'clock. There's a fire, a house fire, so I had to dispatch people. And and so it was uh, sort of moment-by-moment management. Um, I moved from there into a position as a sports copy editor in the sports department of the Palm Beach Post, which, uh, as you'll probably be able to tell from this this long and winding tale, I didn't plan too many of my – my moves through my career, <laughs> just sort of, oh, that sounds interesting. Let me give it a try. Um, and so I went from working from 3 to midnight to working, you know, uh, 4 to 1 a.m., which was not really the the time schedule I was looking for, but um, I sp- learned a lot about sports and working really quickly in terms of editing and, again, working with a lot of different people in sort of on the spot, how are we going to handle this situation management. Um, And then I decided, as this kind of happened a few times through my career, well, I better get some more writing experience. Um, 
and also that would give me a slightly more normal schedule just for mm. personal reasons. Um, you know, working until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning is okay for a while, depending on your personality, but uh, it was a little too too late for me. So, um, so I became a sports writer and wrote about high school sports for a while and – and then just kind of moved all around covering a variety of um, sports. You know, I covered college football. I covered professional football for a year, including uh, Miami Dolphins' great quarterback, Dan Marino. I covered his final season in the NFL, um, which was exciting and interesting, being sort of in the locker room scrum of, you know, 50 journalists standing around somebody right after they'd finished a game and trying to trying to get something unique for them to you know get them to say something unique for you for your story um i also covered professional tennis um that came open you know just sort of was something that i had enjoyed playing as a kid and i thought hey that that sounds interesting as it happened a couple of uh high school kids at that point, I think, moved to Palm Beach County named Venus and Serena Williams. So I uh, got in on the early end of writing about their their careers, um, which turned out to be obviously uh, pretty amazing still <laughs> and still going on to this day. Um, so I spent about five years as a sports writer. I got married, decided I wanted to have kids and travel. Was uh wasn't quite so interested in traveling around so much. Um, so I actually started covering religion for I'll still at the Palm Beach Post. You know, it was a great newspaper to be able to do lots of different things. Um, and writing about sports is something that's very important to people. You know, people get real passionate about oh, how could you write this about my favorite coach or my favorite team. Writing about religion was um, similarly, you know, important to people, um, and that was really, I really enjoyed that, being able to kind of spend time with people and talk to them about things that were really important to them, you know, that, that people would trust me with that kind of information was, that was really uh, a highlight. Um, I'm going on and on here, but... Uh, I took a few years off after my second child was born, did some freelancing, so kind of got to see the industry from the other side, um, you know, worked writing for a variety of publications um, while, you know, juggling potty training and um, <laughs> other things right. on, the, on the side. Um, and then I had an opportunity to return to the company that owns the Palm Beach Post, uh, and I joined the Palm Beach Daily News, which is the very small newspaper that covers the very wealthy town of Palm Beach. So it's a, it's a pretty exclusive little newspaper. Um, also covers the – interesting because it covers every little small town thing you can think of. You know, somebody brought their dog to the supermarket and put it in a cart and people objected and then it bit the, the bag boy you know, little stories like that all the way to, you know, the president's in town, which um, obviously his Mar-a-Lago uh, estate is there in Palm Beach. So um, it was a, a pretty exciting time to be to be working at the Palm Beach Daily News. I was editor there for about hmm, 
four or five years and um, had a really good time. It's, it was a similar place where people feel really attached to, you know, really passionate about the paper. They feel like it's part of the community and, um, you know, it was really a privilege to be able to, to work in an environment like that where it still felt like journalism was important to the community. Um, and so here you are. And so here I am. Yeah. Last spring. uh, Go ahead. No, no, it's a tortured path to get to be the editor of HR (laughs) executive magazine. Um, um, And, and, you know, I'm tempted to ask you how working at HR executive is like um, um, writing about religion, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that might take us way down, way down the track. Um, yeah. So, so how's how's the change going from the newspaper business, which has um, some some fairly straightforward boundaries between editorial and publishing, to to the trade magazine world? That's that's quite a transition, really. Um, how's that part of it? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, some at some moments it feels very straightforward. You know, I'm sitting at a computer. Someone has written a, a piece of content. I'm reading it. I'm editing it. You know, we're putting it on the website. We're preparing it for the magazine, and it feels very familiar. And then you pull kind of on one string and, and ask one question, and you realize – I realize, oh – I'm in a, you know, in a different space, and I need to go and talk to some other people about how, how we want to handle whatever the issue might be. Um, you know, it's something about an advertiser. It's um, something about a big company. It's a request to change a quote that someone said. Well, you know, in the newspaper world, there are very clear answers about how you handle that. Um, for the most part, you know, there can be some nuance. There's a lot more nuance to uh, not necessarily that request, but a lot of the, you know, just different things that we're considering here. You know, somebody would like their, their photograph to look a little cleaned up. Hmm, how do we handle that? It's I'm having a lot more conversations about those types of things than I did before where I felt like, all right, we know the rules here. This is, we don't do that. We, you know, so, um, I bet that's extraordinary. That that's that's that sounds subtle in the saying, but it, but it's but it's a difference in um, the relationship between the publication and its content. Um, that's that's interesting. Yeah, and, and it's, it's um, it, it's comforting that I have. With me here at HR Executive, a, a, another recent—I um, uh, don't want to say a refugee, but an, <laughs> another former newspaper editor who is um, who I can bounce things off of, and I kind of, uh-huh. you know, sometimes walk into his office and say, "Okay, here's a situation. Here's what I, here's my inclination. You know, here's my sort of newspaper training on this." But we're in a new space, and so I have someone that I can, 
you know, we can kind of wrestle over it together. Uh, how do we handle this? What's, and then, you know, sometimes we'll, well, let's call the salesperson. Let's call, you know, somebody in marketing and, and kind of hash it out. So, so there are a lot of really interesting conversations that we're having that, um, you know, probably in a year I'll feel more comfortable about, oh, I know the answer to this, but for now it's, uh, it's, it's uh, a lot of discussions. Uh, well, that that sounds great, and I am so excited that you're here. the the um, The world of industry press in um, our universe, you know, the, the 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 big regular professional players in HR and HR tech. Um, it, it it'll be nice to have a kind of a straighter shooting operation at the heart of it. So I'm excited now. Now you're learning about HR tech at the same time, and um, it's 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 a beat that's somewhere between religion and sports. And so how's, how's coming up the learning curve? Um, it is, excuse me, it is a steep learning curve. Um, <clears throat> the, you know, all I sort of came in with was uh, a little bit of experience managing a very small team and working with an HR department at a fairly good-sized company. The Palm Beach Post for a long time was owned by uh, Cox Media Group. Um, and so we had some, you know, we had a few HR tools, and I grumbled about a whole lot of stuff that I had to do with HR. And um, I had an HR director who was actually one of my mentors kind of through my uh, leadership training and um there would be things like, all right, well, we, we did our employee survey, and now we need to put together an action plan and use this tool, and uh, okay. <laughs> that was, it felt like here's a, here's a separate job, you know, like this is, here's your regular job, which is putting out a newspaper, and then on the side, you have these management roles and this get involved in, in using these these tools. So, so that's kind of the the extent of the experience that I came in with. Um, and so learning about what the options are and how companies can use things and how how can you possibly measure culture? I don't even – I'm still trying to get my head around that. Like can that be a data point, a company's culture? Um, and I'm, I'm sure that I'm sounding – sounding very ignorant, but um, it is a very steep learning curve that um, I have a feeling I will be climbing up for a long time. Um, luckily, the HR, you know, everyone that I've met is incredibly willing to help. Almost every person I talk to offers, you know, what can I do? How can I help you? What can I, you know, who can I connect you with? The every, There's a lot of collaboration, it seems like, within this industry. Um, you know, just the the folks who have called me up and said, hey, we can do this together and and who are just super open to helping and teaching and, and working together is, is impressive. Yeah, that's nice. So so on the on the topic of measuring culture, I think that's I think that's a, a great example of what goes on in in the business. It probably is going to be possible to measure culture, but but it isn't really just now. That said, 
there are a ton of people who are selling things that claim to be able to do that. And, and it's, and it's um, um, interesting to try to sift out the difference between what's actually possible and what's being claimed. That's, that's part of the, part of, part of the work in, in covering and understanding the industry is trying to figure out the difference between the rhetoric and what's actually going on. And, uh, I don't know that whatever gets done with that <laughs> because, <laughs> because the machine that manufactures buzzwords operates at a rate faster than humans can keep up with it. I think. Um, and so, yeah. and so, so, so some of, some of what happens in the business for my money is that, is that we learn how to um, sort of, uh, digest new ideas and then and then figure out whether or not they are um unreasonably visionary or really practical and and it takes a while to figure that out but sometimes uh, engagement is one of these things where where the idea is so much so much better and bigger than the actuality um, and what you mostly hear about is the idea, um, and so it's a it's it's not as clean as the house down the street just burned down. Um, it's it's a, a a more ephemeral arena to cover as a result. Yeah, and that's that's of course where the the steepest learning curve is. It's one thing to learn all the players, to learn the people. But to sort of be able to take it to the next level to analyze and figure out what's what's what. Now there there's some of that in traditional journalism, you know, the politicians and and they're <laughs> determining the the the, uh, the truth in what they say, or or the reality, perhaps not the truth, but the reality. And here's the plan. Uh, there are some similarities there, but um, first I've got to learn the basics. So. Yep, and there's there, there are waves. That it's there's a sort of a fashion component to the language that that um, it's easy to mistake the fact that people are wearing double-breasted blazers this year for a permanent face of everything. And, um, I, I noticed, for for instance, I noticed this summer I. I felt like I woke up one day and all of a sudden all of the E's that used to be the first letter in engagement were now being applied to experience. Um, and it was, it was as if somebody changed all the signs in town overnight and everywhere I looked, they were talking about experience all of a sudden. Um, um, and, and there are people who are good at spotting that as it's coming down the road. So, so, HR Executive Magazine has been around forever, um, and and here you come with with professional journalism credentials. Do you think things are going to change, and, and what do you think is going to change? Do you mean with the magazine? With the magazine. Well, yes, with the magazine. Yeah. So the um, – I think – the pri- some of the priorities in my mind are um, not actually related a bit to the magazine, but related more to just sort of how we approach things. 
um, in terms of making sure that we're um, a little bit more modern, making sure that we're um, digitally, a little bit more digitally savvy, um, doing presenting content in ways that our audience is looking for it. I'm not sure that's a magazine all the time. I mean, I think there are some things that are uh, suited for the magazine, some things that are, you know, perhaps suited for other platforms. Um, I think we'd like to be um, providing a bit more of a future look, perhaps, than we have been, uh, uh-huh. at least in the few months that I've been here, you know, trying to f- trying to push readers a little further down the road rather than telling them perhaps things that they already know or that seem familiar. Um, it's always easier said than done. You know, we're going to push the envelope. We're going to all those sort of um, cliches. Um, but we really would like to be a bit uh, to continue to be, but to be even more of a must read publication, whether it's, you know, online or in the magazine or, you know, on social media. We certainly hope to grow our our presence there and, um, you know, perhaps step into some new spaces, podcasting, um, and and just engaging with different audiences, new, not not that we want to step away from the ones that we have, but, um, you know, are there... Are there up-and-coming audiences that we should be connecting with, um, you know, kind of broadening our, our, our sc- <clears throat> excuse me, broadening our scope of, um, you know, who we rely on to, to provide analysis and, and help us understand the, the market? I think those Got would it. be my primary thoughts. Fantastic. So, so you're also the co-chair of the HR Tech Conference. Uh, this this year was the first time you actually went to one. First of all, what was that like? You know, I've been going a long time, <clears throat> and these things are chaos. Um, so so it must have been it must have been almost psychedelic to go to it for the first time. There is so much to draw your attention and so much value to get that that the abundance of choice sometimes is the thing that people experience first. What was it like for you? Yeah, that, that sums it up pretty well, including the fact that I'd never been to Las Vegas before. So, really? How could you be a religion writer and never go to Las Vegas? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Managed to, uh, I've, I'm not interested in gambling, so I've never been. Um, and I, I just, just tiny correction. I'm not actually co-chair of the um, of the conference. I am involved, but uh, Steve Bose is the chairman right now and uh, doesn't have a co-chair at the moment. So I, I don't want to represent that. I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, new to me. So so <laughs> so what was it like? Still, what was it like to go? Right. So it was, um, it was definitely overwhelming. You know, I had this, I had the website bookmarked and I had the pamphlet of all the different sessions. I had, 
it was marked up with all sorts of sticky notes and circles and highlighted and um, all kinds of places I wanted to be. And of course, since I'm on the East Coast, I was up, you know, four o'clock in the morning, ready to go. And by about uh, 8 a.m., I realized, well, there's no way I can can get to everything that I want to. Um, and my primary role there this year was making sure that we were covering the conference in the way that we wanted to be. So I spent, I actually spent quite a bit of time in a in an executive conference room editing stories and posting them on the web, website. So um, so there were some things that I missed out on because I was doing that. Um, and then, but just walking around, seeing all the people, you know, streaming into the expo hall, um, walking through there and um, just being overwhelmed by the number of options and friendly faces of people who wanted to demo things and show you how this worked and show you how that worked. Um, and then perhaps the most interesting room was the, I guess they called the analyst room, the press room. Right. And I had, I met with a lot of, it felt like a lot of people. It was probably, I don't know, eight or 10 over the course of the, the few days we were there um, just to sit down and, you know, meet someone and, and hear about their product Um or uh, whatever it was that they were working on. And that <laughs> that room was so busy um, and very different from sort of a traditional newspaper press room because somebody called it the press room. I thought, oh, okay, well, but, yeah, very different uh, atmosphere in there. Um, yes, it's, it's much the, more of a shark tank than the, than the press room. <laughs> right. I think of a press room as a place where you, you kind of go and you – sit down and you write your story and you might talk to a couple of other journalists, but that was a, a different uh, animal. Um, and then there were so many compelling sessions that, you know, um, I felt like I could have gotten a college degree in HR tech if only I'd had the, the time and the, uh, gosh, the mental attention. I think for me, everything felt like, oh my gosh, I really have to concentrate. What, what does that word mean? What does that acronym mean? I don't know that jargon. Um, so it, I think I learned a lot, but not nearly as much as uh, I could have if I had you know, been able to clone myself and go to every single session. I, th- I think it feels like that to lots of the people who go there. I, th- I think the, yeah. the, the, the experience that you're talking about sometimes gets called imposter syndrome, where, where you're immersed in something and you simply – are more aware of what you don't know than what you do. Um, mm. And, and, and that is a common experience at, at the conference. It's, it's a very interesting thing to try to work with. That's, that's what I, that's why I spend time doing an, an orientation every year, because that is a common experience. So we've got just a couple of minutes left and uh, um, I was wondering if there is anything that that um, you are gravitating towards right now. What has your attention from a sort of a content perspective? What are the what are the things in HR tech that that you're driven to try to understand right now? So many things. <laughs> um, we are. I'm currently grappling a bit with the whole idea of machine learning and artificial intelligence and and how 
you know, what kind of role will that play and how how in the world is it going to get going to shake out? I, I think you and I have talked about this on a couple of occasions and it seems like no one knows, but it, it sort of feels like um, sand running through my hands. Like I just can't get, I, I can't catch it. Um, so that one's it's kind of at the top of my list right now. We have some content planned um, in an upcoming, for an upcoming issue and, you know, some things we're doing online. And so that's, that's primarily where my head is right now. Um, partly because I can't, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to understand, uh, you know, all the possible uses and, um, and, and just how valuable it is. Um, like I, I, I just, I'm. So, so I have a great recommendation for you. There is, uh, it'll be easy to Google, um, uh, there is um, a wonderful PDF from a, a junior professor at Princeton called uh, AI Snake Oil or How to Spot AI Snake Oil. But if you look for AI Snake Oil at Princeton, you'll find <laughs> it. Um, and, and what's nice about this is it's a concise look at what works and what doesn't work and what uh, uh, the um, – um, where the real BS is and where the stuff that's going to have some enduring power is. Uh, and, so, and so I like, I, I like pointing that to people and you will find that in, incredibly useful. Um, so we're at the end of the time. Um, any last thoughts? Um, well, not really. I think I'm just, I'm still in such a questioning and learning phase that I'm mostly, you know, always asking, you know, what, what do you recommend that I read? What, what do you recommend that I pay attention to in the, in the industry or outside the industry to kind of help me, help me along this journey? So, so I'm going to stick with this, the AI snake oil PDF. That's a really good clarifying piece. There's so much to read, but, but that's a great place to start. Um, I will do it as soon as we finish up. That's great. Thank you. Okay. So take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell people how to get a hold of you. Absolutely. So I am Elizabeth Clark. I am the executive editor of HR Executive Magazine. Um, and I am based in our Palm Beach Gardens office of LRP Media. Um, and you can reach me at E. Clark. Don't misspell my last name. It's Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E. So E-C-L-A-R-K-E at LRP.com. And you can find me on all the usual uh, social media platforms, including on Twitter at LizClark92. Fantastic. Thanks for doing this, Liz. Thanks for taking the time to to, uh, be here today. Uh, we've been talking with Elizabeth Clark, who is the new executive editor of Human Resource Executive Magazine, and you've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you back here next week. Bye-bye now, and thanks for being with us.